What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. Uh, this is episode number 309, also known as 309. Also an area code that I learned covers the, what, the western portion of Midwest, up northwest, somewhere in Illinois. The mid, I'm going to you know what, hold on a second here. Let's just go with that. Yeah. I mean, Peoria is in there, that area. The um, west central area of Illinois, including Peoria. Yes, most there famously Peoria. Right. Oh, wow. So if you're from that area listening, this one's for you, okay? Yes. If you're not, just thank you for listening. Um, it's proof that Movie Schmovie plays in Peoria. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, way to work that in, John. And yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. By the way, that's John. The one, the one, the other voice. Hi, I'm, I'm John. Steve. And then who else is here? I'm Ron. Yeah. And uh, we are movie movie. We should uh, <laughs> layer that, harmonize, do that yeah. post, John. I will. Um, <laughs> so today's going to be a cool episode. Like we we've been talking about this on our on our text thread that we keep going on Facebook Messenger, just about like how crazy the box office world is and you know what movies look like now in theaters, streaming, day and date, all that good stuff. So the majority of this episode, I think we're going to kind of just talk about that a little bit because there's been a lot of news items dropping almost daily about numbers being released, lawsuits being filed, you know, movies overperforming, underperforming, a mixed match of or a mixed match of mix mix match, a, a mix, mishmash, mishmash or a wow. mix and match a mix and match is i think where i was going yeah. but a mishmash is just as good yeah. <laughs> um of of just like these cycles of like how things are coming out and things that work and things that don't work and you know these variables that just don't seem consistent enough to really have any good read on anything right now yeah um and then you put that all in context with what's happening again in this country it seems um with covid and a new variant that's causing problems Yep, going back uh, down. And it's just like, what does any of it mean now? And, and how is it going to change in the coming weeks? But we're going to talk a bit about that at the top of the show. And then after that, we're going to go through a couple of reviews that we have this week. Uh, I think through the three of us, we've seen almost all the big movies that are in theaters that have come out in the last week or so. That's so, um, yeah. And, and, and someone streaming, I, I think we've got a couple to talk about with that too. So it'd be a nice uh, segue out of talking about this mix and match option of ways of seeing movies um and, and talk about some of the ones that we actually have seen so uh i don't know ronald why don't you kind of start us off you kind of brought up the idea of jumping into just an open conversation about what it looks like out there right now so what do you what do you want to say to start it off yeah so i guess this stems from a conversation in the middle uh, in the height of lockdown because, uh, you know, how people talk about the pandemic in the past tense, the pandemic's still going on. Lockdown right. is not going on right now. There's a possibility that it feels like something may come up later on. But I remember at the height of lockdown talking about the idea. We, we kind of scoffed, you know, it was like kind of 50-50 on it. But all of us kind of felt like there could be a chance that these theatrical movies could go straight to these services. And what was going to be the move for... Black Widow and a couple others that were um, it didn't seem like there was a, a plan beyond just the initial promotion. And then the company's kind of flopping on whatever the secondary part of kind of preparing people for the idea that this may come out later. Uh, right. Things were released in press releases and things of that nature. So I guess, you know, things have opened up a little more. Movies have come out. Some exclusively to theater, some simultaneously on streaming service and theater. So now that we're a little 
removed from the lockdown time where it felt like there was no other way to see it but uh, streaming a streaming service or preparing for it being delayed. What do you think about the state of movies, the box office, just just movies in general? How do you feel about its delivery and our theaters back? I guess that's the that's the first question I have. Our theaters back. Because you know that that's a part of the the marketing of a lot of movies. Our theater's back. Th- you know, right. we're back. F9's out. We're back. Go see this. We're back. How do you feel? Only about- in theaters. Only in theater. You can never hear Dolby Surround sound like this in your home, stupid. Kind of that. Yeah, yeah Cinemark is still doing the thing with the. The, they show you in the middle of the screen a small rectangle yeah. and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should you be watching Free Guy like this or like this? Then they show a little yeah. tra- trailer. So it feels, it still feels a little thirsty. Um, but I, I don't know. I think there's, there is a theatrical experience to be had. And I know yeah, that absolutely. I've gone to see a couple of movies and I know when I've gone, I've looked at other showings that like when I bought a ticket for the next day, if I look for that evening's showings, I, I saw where most of the tickets were sold. So I don't know if it's back. Yeah. But I definitely think there is a model that exists and that maybe at the moment, I mean, maybe speaking for myself, I took a while before I was comfortable going back into the theater. Uh, but once I did, I sort of felt comfortable for a hot second. And now I'm starting to feel uncomfortable again. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, I think that, I don't know. I mean, I really think those those kind of rising numbers you're talking about, Ronald, but the fact that, I mean, I don't know if it would, it might be hyperbolic to say we're heading into another lockdown. I don't think it will get as extreme as it did, but maybe this time people will clue in and it will only take a few months rather than a year. I mean, I don't really think that it that we haven't progressed, but I do think that that feeling that a lot of people seem to have that we were just back to normal, I don't think that's the case. Mm. And I don't think I don't know, theaters being back. I mean, that's an interesting notion because I think we're all noticing, and Steve, this would be a great time to get your opinion because I know you you kind of track a lot of like the grosses and stuff like that. But like, th- you know, th- there's just a, li- like, right now movies coming out at best are going to have a limited expectation compared to what they might've had in the past. So even though we're about, probably about to talk about some news that has to do with the streaming, you know, the what a movie makes on streaming versus what it makes in the theater and what, you know, that's becoming a, a, a matter of lawsuits for, for some people. But it's also just a question of what does that mean to the model where, okay, a Marvel movie came out and it was kind of guaranteed to pull in 500 million worldwide or something. And now they've got three more movies queued up this year. And, <clears throat> and it's not a world where that is happening. So Right. I mean, this idea of kind of burning off content seems kind of strange. And I guess Marvel, 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 that's the at the tip of the spear for a lot of this. But those were a lot of the big money makers. You mentioned like F9, Ronald. I mean, I think that's another big one. These movies just have different hopes than they would have had before. So is Hollywood kind of just continuing? Is, are they kind of going, da, 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 let's just act like everything's normal and keep keep it rolling? But the the limited grosses, the, the, the lesser returns, seems yes. like it would have to start to affect the way that movies are made and the way things are greenlit and the way that the whole thing works. I just don't think that we've seen that fallout yet, oddly enough, even though we spent a year waiting for shit to come out. I don't think we've right. seen like what happens when, when uh, they, they just can't make back what they used to make uh, on all this stuff so yeah, yeah i think like think? well i mean i definitely like don't think theaters are back in general i think that they're still navigating um you know how to get people back to the theater in in some ways because it does seem like when you look at these 
box office returns over the last few weeks, even with the exception of Black Widow, like John was saying, that kind of was almost guaranteed to have a bigger than average opening yeah. comparatively to the other movies that have come out. Because, I mean, really, you know, that Fast 9 and uh, Quiet Place 2 are really the exceptions to this this current phase of theater going that we're, we're seeing. Um, and it's an interesting mix among the th- those three with, like, you know, two of them being theatrical only and one of them being a day and date on streaming. And yet that one was the biggest opening of the three. So it's like really hard to pin down the unique trait beyond it being a Marvel property, which is truly what it is probably. I just think that it shows otherwise outside of those, that there is a ceiling right now in terms of what these movies are able to accomplish in the theatrical run. Now they may have longer legs. They may stay in theaters longer because less is coming out. It feels like, even though in the coming weeks, there are some new movies coming out in a quantity every Friday. Um, like this week when, you know, there were, this podcast comes out, like we weren't able to see free guy in theaters or I, I don't think any of us went, I know I didn't, I don't think any of us went, but um, you know, the screening for it, like I just wasn't ready to go, you know, to a theater again. I mean, I have gone since, you know, I saw a quiet place too. Um, and I actually almost thought about going to see old this week, but the theater by me, like when I actually went up to go see it, I've been watching it all day. And uh, it was at this point only in its third week of release and is in one of the smallest theaters in the in the building mm. at my local cinema. And by the time I got there, it was there was too many people in the theater for my for my comfort level. And I mean, you know, an hour or two hours before that, it was a lot more open and I felt comfortable going. And, you know, I turned around and left. Um so that's a case for a movie staying in theaters maybe longer that doesn't have this day and date model that could have some legs. Like I think old is probably a good example of it, of it having that because that's actually one that for some reason, like, you know, probably the M night of it all has like a true theatrical window. It seems, you know, like it will have a traditional window. It's not going to hit VOD uh, anytime super soon from what I've been able to research but um, for the most part, every other movie in theaters right now is, is in some sort of flux in terms of when you can get it at home, whether it's right. the same day, you know, 17 days later, like on Universal's model, 45 days later on Paramount's model. You know, it's just it's such a weird mash or mix match, mix and match, mash up, mishmash of what what you have as a, a movie watcher option wise you know right. like how bad do you want to see old and i want to see it pretty badly because i really am, am very interested in seeing every movie he releases just out of curiosity of what it, what way it could go but i'm not at the point if it stays in you know it'll be in theaters for a while and if i have an opportunity next week to maybe go and it's not as crowded i probably will you know as long as like the COVID of it all hasn't blown up here in maryland it's still we're still benefiting from a pretty good place here uh, in terms of where this state is, but you know, if I were living in Florida or Louisiana, I would not be going to a movie theater, you know, period. Um, so I think that's the other thing is that like demographics and, you know, geographics and all these things are playing into who's going to see movies when all to just say, like, I, I, the, the, the takeaway that I have is that even for theatrical exclusives still, there feels like there's a ceiling and it's, it's just the number of people, the greatest amount of people that are willing to go see a movie opening weekend. It's, it's so it's much smaller um, right now. And that's obvious, but 
I think that that number trickles through if a movie can stay in theaters longer, kind of like Tenet experienced, you know, you know, which, you know, kind of was a bust a bit when it first came out. But when you look at the numbers, you know, in a movie's made, I think it's, it's on over 500 million worldwide, you know, in the full run. So like, it's not a complete wash anymore. And it's actually pretty successful, all things considered. But it's just like a weird, um, it's a weird thing where you try to, there's a lot of publicity and marketing and like spinning happening to make everything that comes out look like it somehow succeeded at something. Um, but I think that's really just trying to see a way to promote the fact that they need movie theaters to stay open, you know, and they need to find a way to encourage people to go see movies. Now, what kinds of movies they are, that's what's going to change, I think, forever because of this but um i don't know it's weird i mean like we we are moviegoers and i know you know i don't think you've gone back yet ronald um and and to the comfort level that you that you're ready to go and that's totally uh understandable like and me having gone i think i've gone twice you know i've got like these metrics you know where i'm just like i want to go to the movies all the time and i would love to go there on a weeknight the last show when i feel like there won't be a lot of people there and even still, it's like, if I look at it and it's, and it's too crowded, I'm not going, but it's too crowded on a weeknight at a last show. So that's something to say yeah. for a movie in its third week, third week of release, which is, you know, again, my example here is old, which seems to be dropping a lot from week one to two, but going forward, I'm very curious what it drops week over week. Well, you know, old it, I had it pulled up. I, I just thought it was kind of interesting. It looks like. It has a budget of like eighteen million, right. and then box office already of fifty point nine. I guess that's worldwide. It is, um, yeah. But still, done and done. Quint, uh, right. You know, I was about to say Quentin Tarantino. M Night Shyamalan gets to make another movie uh, or three right. or yeah. whatever. Um, so there. I mean, in, in my mind, like. I, these, the idea of these huge behemoths, you know, the idea that they're spending three hundred million on a movie that's going to make them a, a billion and a half, um, uh, or more than that for something like Endgame. Right. Who knows how much they spend on something like that? But like, I like that idea of seeing movies that have that kind of scope and scale. But I also think that that is so bloated and huge that that is not a model that say works for just movies in general. And I don't right. like the idea that we're going to lose those sort of mid to medium, small budget movies. Like 18 million is a pretty big budget for like an indie, but for someone like M night Shyamalan, he's still working in that kind of reduced zone of like working fast and loose and kind of like making a concept work and not somehow inflating the budget with all the stuff that happens with the usual, kind of blockbuster to be. So I don't know. I mean, whether I'm encouraged by that number or not, but I kind of feel like I am just because, you know, that that is a kind of level of movie that I like to see surviving, even if it is surviving on the the, the name maybe of a director uh, who yeah. has, uh, you know, has had huge successes. He's not like an obscure figure, but he is, you know, his, he is one of those guys whose name has been a liability at times. And so you never know if how much people's expectations of what an M. Night Shyamalan movie is, like how much, how much that hurts or helps uh, people going to see the next one. So I don't know. You see little success stories like that. Yeah. And the Tenet thing, even though we all thought it seemed kind of hubristic, that uh, Christopher Nolan insisted on this release and coming out the way he did, it did happen yeah. like an old-fashioned blockbuster where it just stays in the theaters for a long time and there's enough yeah. curiosity about it to keep it going. So, um, you know, I don't know. Part of me thinks it's good if 
if we start to see a slightly different trajectory towards success from some of these new movies. I just wonder how much that's going to change the kind of content that they're making. It might change the content for the better too. Who knows? <laughs> right. If they're going for sort of modest returns or something, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I know that maybe I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm being optimistic or even uh, skeptical depending or pessimistic, depending on how you look at it, as far as like that, it's going to change things that much. But I do right. think that like, I, we've talked about that phrase, the new normal a lot. I think that kind of to the spirit of that question about, is it back, Ronald? Mm. You know, what, what, what at this point would it even mean to be back? Do you know what I mean? Like you just have to have something about that communal experience has been tainted. And yeah, I don't, yeah. I, you know, so maybe that's what we're saying is when will that not feel like a calculated risk? And yeah. I don't, I don't know when that will be. I bet you'll still be wearing masks into the theater and some people will be wearing them even if it's not mandated, you know? Yeah. It's, so, it's, it's, you're right. There's something about the way that everything happened. I mean, you know, beyond the politics of it, I think that people, the fact that science is kind of a thing that, you know, you learn new information, you adjust is a very hard concept for people to understand, even though, you know, this, this practice has been pretty effective throughout human history, right? Like right. just being like, oh, okay. So you you are you are allergic to this specific kind of dander so we're not going to put that that kind of learning things about about how your body reacts to things is a is not a new concept but right. i think the pursuit of information of of accurate information is what's kind of impaired this whole experience the fact that people kind of get their information from whatever they use has become their God in light. So somebody may use the news. Somebody may use Instagram. Somebody may use Facebook. Somebody may use a barbershop. You know what I mean? The, it's, it really is kind or of- church or Or whatever. church or church. And the fact that those have conflicting information, even if you didn't hear the person that, that uh, you know, your, your local politician say that, two different ways the fact that you heard it one way in a barbershop and you see it on tv a different way and you hear it on this that can that creates a, a large conflict so the culture of surrounding information and its accuracy is directly affecting the movies but what it what it is doing for real is that people are scared shitless like i i know people that are like conspiracy theorists to the wall like i like this is all fake this is not real that still aren't going to the movies like they used to so there's something about some of this that is really penetrating through people's just kind of lack of tr lack of trust in the idea that covid is a real that people do not believe that but that doesn't line up with the idea of like these theater numbers people are afraid and i don't know if anybody wants to admit that i think it's a very hard thing to admit that like fuck i'm scared to go out in this public place because a theater is very different than going to like a a cookout or like going to there's a little bit of air <laughs> you know what i mean mm -hmm. the yeah. fact that you're in a theater with all this recycled air kind of it's daunting. Well, I mean, when you go, though, people are acting pretty normal because, again, the mandate will be there. Right. But when I've, you know, I went to the, the last movie I went to. Um, uh, what was the last movie I went to? The last Green one Knight? I went to was, was old, actually. The last movie oh. I went to, people were starting to, I was noticing some people weren't 
wearing their mask into the auditorium, but there were only like four or five other people in the whole room. So once I was oh, in okay. there, I was kind of like, this is what it is. But, you know, some people you look around, but everyone seems to be, you know, like they have a mask and maybe they have it pulled right. down and then they're eating. And maybe they notice you looking at them and you see them like pull their mask up or whatever, but yeah. everyone seemed to be kind of abiding by it as, as much as possible. But yeah, seeing a few people coming and going at that last uh, visit um, where they weren't wearing masks was one of those things. Right as you know, right as I was hearing these numbers too, I was like, okay, no, nope, I'm not going to be. You know, I'm not going to slip just because every now and then it comes up because it is convenient, like you said, Steve, when it's a time that seems like there shouldn't be that many people there, and right. then you look and there's not. It's yeah. like okay, I can go. To, I know this routine at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I get. I think that fear is the thing that's kind of undefinable, and I think that it's not impractical to be afraid of this. No. Like, you, it's like, you don't no. want to talk people into feeling more comfortable with a situation that they, that, that might be uncomfortable, but some of these movies are. And in fact, what took me to the theater to see the green Knight and to see old was what you were talking about. Steve was just that sense of like, okay, some of these movies, I want to see them and they, yeah. they are trying to have a theatrical experience. Like they are trying to have you excited to see that movie in the theater and not, um, you know, not see it some other way first and, and to not give it to you, not have the VOD release scheduled for two weeks out or whatever they've done with some of these things or have right. like the first weekend there it's available for this, um, you know, whatever thing they do sometimes to, to kind of split it up. Sure. Um, that seems like yet another thing they've decided is, okay, this movie can withstand that, you know, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be around for six weeks, which honestly would have been a long time for a movie uh, even before any of this craziness happened, you know what I mean? Like definitely that, you know, even hit movies are gone within four weeks, a lot of times in recent years. So the idea that something could live on for a month or more is, is again, it makes me feel kind of good, even though I know it's a bad sign for the industry. <clears throat> right. But it right. reminds yeah, me I mean, of the way it used to be when a movie was a hit, that it just hung around. Right. Right. <clears throat> right. And, and, and like the reason I mentioned tenant really, and I think the number I said was wrong. It's, it's more like 360 or 370 worldwide but i'm the perspective of that is just simply that like when it came out things were way still restricted you know still in like a 20 30 percent capacity like mm -hmm. only a quarter of theaters were open domestic you know there was a lot of factors going against it and they kind of stuck it out through the fall and winter you know and got to that number you know where a movie like black widow has been out for only like i don't know three weeks or something and you know it did the day and date and like globally it's at like 370 it's a, it's at a comparable number you know, but mm. it's in an environment where theaters are open, you know, and there are no mask mandates in the theater. So, like, it is something where, you know, it's able to reach that number faster, but it's dropping quicker, way faster. You yeah. know, like, it's going to hit that wall where, you know, it may still be in the top three, you know, uh, on box office things here, you know, week to week or day to day. But, you know. The fact that, you know, there's a movie coming out, you know, Suicide Squad and Free Guy comes out this week and there's a movie that comes out next week. You know, it's like it's going to just keep pushing it down. And, you know, I don't know how much more past, you know, the 400 mark, you know, 450 maybe it gets to. And that's a Marvel movie that waited until July, yes. you know, to come out. And, you know, it's kind of peaking there so quickly. But. Um, Did we just segue because we want to talk about this this brouhaha, right? The the Black Widow. I think so. The gross. That's what they call a segue. Yeah, right. I mean, so so Black Widow has been, yeah. It, the the fact that it came out in this hybrid model of mm. Disney Plus, it's day and date with theaters, and it was a premium 
price and thirty dollars, I think, right? Wasn't it thirty dollars? Yeah. To, so it wasn't like free with the service. So it had a. I felt like it had that kind of prestige quality to that release. And I know at home we 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 kind of made a big deal out about about hitting play on the darn thing, you know, after spending thirty bucks on it. Yeah. But but yeah, we found out that, and this is something that may have been brewing before. I don't know when this came. If it happened because certain grosses that were reported were different than what was expected or whatever. But Scarlett Johansson, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It started with her uh, suing Disney for basically the money she lost by yeah. virtue of the movie having this hybrid release, that she was supposed to have a cut of the gross and that her cut of the gross was, you know, wildly less than it might have been had the movie been out exclusively theatrically. I don't know if you just wait until the movie's out to pull the trigger on that lawsuit or if they were, you know what I mean? I don't know if I quite understand yeah. why it happened when it did, mm -hmm. um, why there wasn't more pushback before the movie came out. Some part of me kind of feels like we're going to see more and more people that are done with Marvel then turning around and saying a little bit about what was happening behind the scenes and how they felt, you know, about Right, right. But um, yeah, this is like one of the first little bits of, I mean, I'm not blaming Scarlett Johansson at all because right. people should get their money if they're owed it. But there's been this back and forth now. There's like, you know, been a lot of press about this. But like, this is like one of the first little bits of, of bad blood uh, that's been, you know, one of the cracks in the facade of that kind of Marvel family kind of thing is here's one of the first people, one of the big names to leave. You know, she's on the way out of the franchise and now this kind of stuff is coming out. Um, I don't know, what, what you know, how does that make you feel about the, you know, in relation to the box office thing? You know, Steve, we were just talking about the hybrid model, but beyond that, just the you know, this, this kind of, uh, it feels like a family feud is happening in public. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, contracts are contracts. So if you, this, if, if you agreed that the movie was going to be released a very specific way and Disney went against that and released it another way, you can sue them for that. Right. And then another thing that's super interesting, something that adds a little bit of, weirdness to me about disney is that press release where they said like how much she made yeah it it doesn't matter if 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 i'm owed a hundred million dollars pay me a hundred don't tell don't tell everybody you paid me 20 million dollars yeah we paid you quite a bit for your efforts and that felt like uh but that was a weird that disney thing was weird can we I've agree never, the tone of that felt like yeah. really like the other thing felt like Sexist. show, show felt, but i mean it felt what sh her lawsuit felt like showbiz you got to work this out you know yes. this kind of thing happens all the time but that release was like there was something really i don't know i keep wanting to say like, catty or something it just felt like it was much more like bitter and, and personal than it needed to be yeah yeah specifically with everything that's happening with like like women athletes and olympics and stuff like that this feels very tone deaf especially as all this stuff is kind of happening, you know? I, right, right. It's gross a little bit. I mean, like, men make so much money in, in, in the industry, and to be told, like, we already paid you $20 million. Uh, she was compensated. You know, it's just, like, tonally just off. Um, yeah. And, and one thing people have to understand about lawsuits is, like, the, the intention behind this is to show that she wants she wants to be compensated right but right. typically with disney this is going to be settled out of court this isn't anything that'll probably go to trial if it does this is going to fuck up this is going to make this is going to it's going to be a bad stain on disney's name i don't think it's going to go to trial though i think you're yeah, going to settle no 
way no before. Way. I mean, you you got to be right. The contract is if, if it says what it says, right? Like says if the contract was written before they had this idea of doing things this way, it doesn't matter how much she made or will make. That was something that that's like a that's the breach of contract right there. I mean, I'm sure it's about profits, but ultimately, you know, there's a lot of this happening. I'm sure that the next wave of people that sign up are going to have some pretty ironclad stuff in there about different platforms and leaving it yeah, open right. to Disney to kind of make their money how they want to make it. But well, right. do you think this is going to scare big stuff? I mean, Marvel's been able to sign anybody they want forever. Is this going to scare people away if they no. feel like they're not going to make th that they're only going to make 20 instead of 30 or 50 million or whatever? <clears throat> I think I think it just has to like you said, the, the paperwork just has to be a little more precise. It's almost like like think about all the sitcoms that we watched in the 90s, man. There's there is a ongoing dispute about when those shows go to streaming, how people are being compensated for yeah. them. Like whether whether people know it or not, when something changes forms, there has to be some sort of compensation because it's not the same. Things going into syndication are one thing, but it going to a a different thing where people can watch something fifty times in a row. Watch it. My my wife watches Community every night. She turns it on. And just plays it. Yeah, they, I know. That's she knows five, how to live. Yes, to I know live. five six people that do things like that for other shows. So like, if I know five or six people, there has to be you know there are other people that are just playing things and going to sleep or playing things and watching them as they work. You know, so right. the compensation has to be there. I don't I don't know why people don't understand why this is not a thing. This is this is very much a thing in in streaming media. It's. It's changing the way that people think about business. So. There's no doubt that she has a pretty ironclad uh, case here. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, her contract is one thing. You know, they have emails. You know, if you Ooh. read into this th this whole thing, they have emails from Disney, her mm. agent and lawyer, like basically trying to assure them of what the theatrical window would be. Right. And them kind of confirming that it would be like a standard Marvel theatrical window. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, there's some ambiguity to some of the language, you know, but I think that's probably why this kind of thing is settled pretty quickly. And I mean, honestly, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, in, in this case, I think her her point is valid and they need to pay her. I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing where like, you know, The Rock then comes out and kind of champions Disney this week for releasing Jungle Cruise and day and day, you know, so you have. Yeah. There's just two different right. like things. And that may be how the contracts were built out, you know, in terms of what he was standing to gain from a theatrical versus a hybrid model. We don't know those things and we don't need to, but I mean, I think what, what we're all saying in some way and what we've seen happening, even like with Warner and HBO max and the mess they got in is that, you know, there's no precedent for it. And what right. you're watching and what we're talking about is the precedent being created. So like, yeah. you know, what happens with Scarlet and, you know, there's talks of like, Emma Stone doing something similar for Cruella and yeah. like, you know, all these people, Emily Blunt doing something for Quiet Place 2. And that's towards Paramount, possibly doing something for Jungle Cruise. Like, it just is kind of like a moment where like, you know, the talent of a, at, at that level, I feel like especially that do have things worked in for back end points and, you know, box office profits and things like that, you know, we're, we're going to see a lot of it. And, you know, these movies that they're trying to navigate, you know, trying to get it out there in any way they can and make as much money as they can with the state of the theaters that we just discussed. Cause the reality is, I mean, this is just my opinion that even if it was only theatrical, 
there's still a ceiling, you know, yeah. like it made a lot of yeah. money on Disney plus, but you look at a fast and the furious nine, which was only theatrical and it made less than black widow. Now I think black widow would have made more money. Sure. If it was theater only, but yeah. I don't know week over week if people continuing to buy the premier access. I mean, I'm sure they're still making lots of money there too. I don't know what they're going to offer her in terms of a settlement. It's just a weird thing, man, which is what we've been talking about so far this whole episode that like, you can't navigate it because it's they don't know how. Like you it's don't true. you don't have a precedent, and they're going to create that, and that's what contracts will look like now going forward. Movies going into production, everything that we're seeing announced and that we're talking about now, that stuff's going to be renegotiated and changed to protect these people and the studios themselves. More importantly, are going to try to prevent this from happening in the future. Yes, but I mean, all said and done, she's got a solid case, and she, like John said is one of the OG Marvel stars of the MCU and they need to do right by her. And yeah. it's very well known that Feige is pissed about He's this. Pissed. And that's not good for Disney at all. Yeah. And uh you don't want you any know, sudden moves. Yeah. You don't want to lose the man with the hat. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'll say. Ronald knows the power of the hat and you don't yeah. want to lose it. Yeah. So how do you I feel mean, about Feige now that you know that he's pissed he's going to bat for one of his stars. You we warming up on. towards him at all? Come no? on. Yeah, man. Like I I I mean, because I've, you know, I've heard from some pretty reliable sources, you know, some some like industry insiders that I listen to that. Yeah, Me man, he's, he's been. Yeah, <laughs> you and you and Steve, that Kevin's been kind of fighting this from the beginning, not the idea of like the theatrical thing. But it, but if a person, uh, especially Scarlett Johansson, like you said, an OG Avenger has expressed some anger about the way the business is like, don't you want to keep that person happy? And she's leaving. She's leaving. It, she's still got stuff going on with Disney, but yeah. she's kind of, yeah. you know, you want someone to leave. It just, you know, we talked about it when we talked about black widow, how it felt like it was kind of bungled all around for this character and for this yep. actress. And it just kind of feels like this is like the icing on the cake of that, yep. of like, just, you know, you got to treat these stars like stars. Uh, yeah. You can't treat them like, like their action figures or like their, you know, chess pieces or whatever, as tempting as it is when the franchise is the star. In fact, there was a tweet. Uh, I saw some people, I don't remember what the original article was, but someone had posted an editorial talking about how the Marvel movies are so franchise driven that it's, you know, that almost who stars in them is irrelevant. And they said, you know, uh, anyone could have been in that Iron Man suit and it would have been a hit. And so many I people piled yeah. on saying, bullshit. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's incalculable what casting Robert Downey Jr. did for yeah. that movie and for this franchise. And Scarlett Johansson, as as problematic at times as people have seen the Black Widow character as she kind of developed, having her be that character kind of saved it in a lot of cases. And definitely in the last few movies, I feel like they really, I guess from Winter Soldier on, I kind of think they were handling that character pretty well. Um, but, you know, these are big names. A lot of people are drawn to these movies because of these names, even though we've, even we have flirted with saying that the franchise is the star with Marvel. They still need, you know, the legitimacy of those people coming in. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, even. You know, people who just, people liked them for other real movies that were very good. It was it was a legitimizing factor. And I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad, to, I did not know that detail that Kevin Foggy was, was pissed, but I'm glad Thanks to know so. that that's the side he would be on. Because I do I think mean, he's more closely related to the production and the actors in the movie side of it than he is necessarily oh yeah. the, the Disney machine side of it. But he's also part of that, <laughs> too. So Yeah, I mean, I think it is a mix of, like, it is it is definitely, his his stance has definitely been the fight for theatrical 
for sure. But then I think when the realization of what's going to happen, that's where it pivots a bit to, you know, the, the, the rumblings of this, there's a, there's a, there's a newsletter I subscribe to that I get uh, from like a, you know, um, guy used to be an editor at Hollywood reporter. And uh, you know, when this one came out, it was just basically talking about how like, you know, before this story broke, you know, there was a lot of Kevin Feige involvement, I guess, maybe possibly trying to, you know, in those, the, 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 her team trying to confirm what, what the deal was with the release and like trying to understand what it would, how, how it would affect her take from the contract that they had. And I think his involvement pivoted to that, you know and I mean? That's, I think what they're really talking about when they are commenting on his, uh, displeasure with what's happening with her or what happened with her and you know her attempt to write this possibly before it came to this and basically uh, from what i've heard and read like you know basically disney just dodged it and uh and then this happens so you know pay up and yeah and you're right ronald the comment that their press release was really shitty i think and i'm a yeah. disney guy yeah and like i will support i'll go to disney every year like it's not it's not i just think you 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 call it as it is like that was a shitty press release you know, you know, calling into question her character and things like that regarding a pandemic. And like, yeah, uh, Disney, you're open at 100 percent right now in I know, Florida. So the worst, one of the worst. Like, let's not talk COVID right now. Let's just yeah. talk about how much money you owe this actress and just make it right. Yeah, it's just a really shitty statement and definitely did not like reading that. But yeah, I mean, she, like she'll, she'll get it. She'll get it. Don't 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 worry about that. She's going to she's going to be OK. It was like snarky and kind of felt like a like a like an angry teen wrote it or something yeah. <laughs> like it just didn't yeah. feel like a public uh, like a, a yeah. measured response from a company you know that has this yeah, kind of no. stature anyway well definitely I think we're all in agreement on that well you know some yeah. uh, jungle cruise was mentioned do you guys want to segue to that have you both watched that I did not but I would like to hear what what the fellas thought of it I did yeah let's let's, let's talk it go ahead Ronald um have you ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean which uh, one. No, but say yeah, it's fun. I feel like I saw the I'd same the first, one four different times. But I'd say then the I first found out two. It was, it was different movies. This feels two. this feels a lot like the feeling I had when I first saw Pirates, which you know it, it had some goodwill with the fans. The first two, yeah, uh, or maybe even three. The first two or three. I think three is when it kind of the general consensus tipped over into <laughs> this has gotten bloated. Yeah, but I remember really liking the second one, and I know that that one is yeah. some people decry it. So. I, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I love this movie. It was a fun movie that was just like the chemistry between Emily and The Rock was weird. It was electric. It was strange. It was, I was like, what is, what is happening right now? These guys are like, I feel it. And, and sometimes with The Rock, they'll try to put that on. Like they try to do it like Rosario Dawson and him in that movie quite a while ago when he was like in Australia and stuff like that. They try to put him with an attractive lead and let's see the sparks fly on the, off the screen. And, and I didn't feel that with this movie. Uh, I mean, with that movie before with Rosario Dawson, um, this one was nuts. I don't, it seemed like they just had a lot of fun that on top of it just being a fun movie. And the, the, the brother of Emily, blunt uh what's that guy's name he has a the show on netflix with his father yeah Where, jack Weddle. Jack Weddle. so funny man he he is he's doing an impression of his father in that like i don't know if you've ever seen that show but uh, yeah 
it, it was solid. I loved it. I love the special effects. The problem is, did you see this in at home or did you see this in the theater? At home. If you have a good TV that's like 40 inches or bigger, there are parts where like you can see like there's like the person and the then the special screen. effect, the green screen, yeah. and then they're like talking. You can see the crispiness around them kind of it's, at certain yeah. scenes. Uh, but the special effects for the most part were pretty good. Some of them felt very like pirates, literally pirates characters. Mm-hmm. There was like a lot of like vines going through people's faces. That was clearly like pirates looking stuff. It's like they recycled all the bad guys for pirates and put them into this movie. <laughs> put them into this movie. Well, they're all but digital, overall, right? I mean, so they they could just copy the yeah. Copy the it looks over. like they literally copy and paste some of those some of those guys. But overall, I had a fun time. Aaron and I really liked it. Steve, yeah, you? I, you know, honestly, like I, I liked it too. I was surprised how much I liked it. Um, it's fun, man. It, 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 I, I would say in general, I thought the effects were like pretty bad, like, like across the board bad. Like, that's the thing that stood out to me. I do think they have fun chemistry together, like when they're together and there's like the adventure element. I don't know that I really bought like whatever element of romance there was. I don't know that I buy the rock at all and really any romantic relationship. What is that? Why is it? Why, why, how can he be like so quote unquote hot, but not generate any like heat in that way? You know, his charm almost is. I don't want to. I don't want to. It has an innocence to it, or something like that. I don't want to have to repeat too this. much. Do you want? You yeah. want me to say what it is? Say it. What are you going to say? The Rock though? isn't a nice person. <laughs> oh, okay. Do you hear what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like you're saying Steve, he's not a giving lover. Right. You may, like, <laughs> yeah, that. So, like, say if, say if you meet the Rock out, man. Say we all worked at a, a very particular store, right? We worked yeah. at, yeah, right. Up top, he'd be very charismatic. Like, hey, man, I, I cracked my phone. You think you can fix this thing? If you tell him no, I think you'd see a different side of the rock. And I've always, so the thing about an alpha type is that with some of that, his charmingness, his, his charm is very palatable. Like, you get palpable. You can feel it in the air, right? But, like, you remember when he melted down? Every time that somebody talks shit about him or anything about his movies, he melts down, man. Yeah. I'm not talking about like a regular level of like, oh man, I'm I'm sorry you feel like that. Yeah, like he's so like just, he's like backed into a corner. Yeah, he yeah. he goes ape yeah. shit. And I think that there's something about a person who's putting on. There's something about a person that's putting on. You can feel it. I, Ron, Ron, I like, in the past, I remember one time we were talking about him and we were saying something similar about it was with one of his feuds or one of his, you know, tirades. Oh, the Tyrese thing? But, but you oh, said Vin something Diesel kind thing? of funny that has never left my mind. You said what? that there's a certain person who could just take you and like pick you up and ball you up. And like, I, mean, I forget how you said it, but basically someone could break you. Yeah. And that person when they're dealing with everyday life, they're going to run up against that notion that in a different world right now, they would just be breaking you or they would just be hitting yeah. you once yes. and the fight would be over. And I do, I'm not saying I think that he's got an anger issues no, or whatever no. that I've, I'm not privy to anything, but I can, I can totally see that kind of edge of like, he is a charming guy, but the edge of that charm is sort of like, there's an assumption that we all agree that I'm the yes. most charming guy in the world. And if anybody challenges that, like sometimes it'll surprise you how someone like that will take it badly, and maybe he yes. maybe he does kind of seethe in those moments because he is thinking like, well, if this was 
fucking post-apocalyptic shit and i was like I a warlord break I would, your arms I, off. yeah you you would have no but now i have to i have to i have to tweet back at you or i have to respond to your snarky question yes. or whatever and there is a little bit of like you see the facade crack a little bit i, I, I have yeah. i know what you're talking about i've worked with former pro athletes and it's the same i'm Me not saying i'm not saying that people aren't <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that people aren't nice i'm just saying the nice that you're that you identify with yeah. is kind of a composed thing. It's like a it's part from of the years thing. and years. Yeah, it's part of the thing. I'm not saying that he's a terrible person. Yeah. I'm just saying the nice that we attach ourselves to is not. I at some point we're going to see a more raw him. Maybe when he gets a little older and he gets into like more complicated roles and stuff like that. But nah, man. What's the most raw he's been? I would say Pain and Gain is the most raw. Pain I and Gain, him, where he was playing Probably. like a real character, and it yeah. wasn't like a movie that was set up to make yes. him look cool yeah. or you know like a sweetie pie or whatever. Now Dave right. Bautista doesn't even fake it. Like if you watch him in stuff, he he is a he's a generally a pretty good spirit. But he's a, he's an underplayer too, though he doesn't yes. turn it on the way that The Rock does. He doesn't. There's a there's a limit to his kindness, the fake kindness. Like he's just yeah. like, yep. That's how I felt about that. He's right. like, he doesn't have any magic tricks he does. The Rock has a ton of magic tricks. He has a lot of like falling back on his Rock character and using some like, he has a lot of magic tricks that he does to kind of like win people over. But really, I think he just is a, a guy with a short fuse. That That's an incredibly funny dude, man. Yeah, I mean, I generally... I- genuinely and generally really like the rock and i like him in most of the movies he's in and even if the movies aren't good because i just like him as a character Mm -hmm. as a person as a brand as an actor whatever yeah even though i think the actor part of that is pretty limited but i yeah there's just something about like they're they are very good together like when they're kind of riffing when they're kind of giving each other a hard time things like that it's just when it kind of goes into the that like suggested romance any kind of real real chemistry between them uh, it's just it's just a a no go. It's a non starter for me. Like it doesn't. I, it's where it stops. But it's a no. I for mean, me, it, dog. It, in the in the yeah, it's a no for me, dog. And the end, reason though, I'm like, out. you know, it is it is a it is an entertaining movie. I mean, like so that's kind of what he's pretty good at doing. You know, he's got a pretty good track record, and I love Emily Blunt. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesse Plemons is in there just chewing scenery, um, and just smiling at the camera the whole time, basically. And I love I love him. I would say, you know, Edgar Ramirez, I love in general. Like, I like him in most things he's in. He's usually the better part of certain things that aren't that good. Right. But I say he's like, in a lot of B-level stuff, but he's so, right. he's always really solid. He, he's always, like, usually very interesting, and he's a good actor, I think. But, like, totally wasted in this movie, I think. And, you know, yeah. he's really the biggest subject of this flawed CGI. Like, you know, like, the bad. Like, I felt the same way. Like, you know, there are certain scenes, especially because I have a, a nice setup here. You know, it's like you you just feel like the background is so flat and it's just like there's CG all over the place. Yeah. Um, what but, the hell? Know, I mean, I, that would be one of the that would be one of the things that the Mouse House uh, should get right. Right. Is that they especially they can, when a movie's been delayed and they have yeah, time. And I, I just can't believe it. I, I mean, guess honestly, just, I'm surprised. You can't believe it? I'm, I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you said too much CGI and it looks it looks kind of cartoonish, but I'm surprised that you're both saying it looks bad. You know, like like I, I personally level. think it looks bad. That that's there are it, parts that, yeah, that, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Look terrible. Like 
Yeah, all, then, all the all of the like characters in like the 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 villain scope of the movie, basically yeah. minus Jesse Plemons, is like pretty much all CG, and uh, it's not good CG. It it's not, not good. Yeah. Um, but as an adventure film, which is really hard to pull off, it's not. It's not a, a drama. It's not a comedy. It's it's you know it's not an action movie. It's it's a genuine. It's trying to be a genuine adventure film. Right. And those are very hard to hit and very hard to get right. And there's only, you know, a handful that people would probably ever mention as being great. Um, especially recently, you know, you, you mentioned pirates. So, you know, the first two are, I think, pretty great. Um, you know, the mummy, things like that. Like, it's, obviously, Indiana Jones, like movies of that, of that cut. And it's trying to be that. And obviously, it's trying to be like a, a new IP for Disney. And, and yeah. who knows what will happen with it. But as a start... I thought it was pretty entertaining. I mean, it's it's yeah. not a great script. It's not a great movie, really, but it's very entertaining. And I think, you know, I think it's fun, especially for, you know, the fact that you can buy it at home with your family and watch it for 30 bucks. So, yeah, it's, um, it's better than yeah. Indiana and the, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Can I say that? I I, I, I would agree with you. Yeah. OK. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, better I mean, I'm than not sure what that's I'm not sure what that's saying, but yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I would I would say you could A B those two movies, but maybe you'd be more like C Ding both those, yeah. <laughs> or maybe yeah, B seeing. Yeah. No, I I yeah, I mean that you're right. That kind of tone. Well, I've always got a little room in my heart for like a, a true adventure film, as separate yeah. from an action film, as separate from a fantasy film, but like a like a swashbuckling kind of out of the frying pan into the fire kind of adventure film. Um, yeah. yeah. See, I would say that like for all the charm of The Rock we talked about, the person who, I mean, I think Emily Blunt has a very similar thing going on in a sense in that she's this very controlled, very, very skilled actress who can kind of hit all these different tones, but like very specifically, and you know what I mean? Like she too has like, could have like a, an edge to her that I think could not work in this kind of thing. So like chemistry between the two of them, honestly, I was surprised to hear that their chemistry was good. I have not really read many reviews of it, but that's something I could easily see have just not worked. Just two big stars get in the room and they kind of do their thing and they kind of bounce off of each other sometimes. But um, no, I yeah. love her. Uh, and I yeah. think she's a person who uh, like, I generally get excited when I hear her name attached to something, even if I don't always, it doesn't always follow through to loving the thing. I just think she's a person who, you know, I kind of think can do anything. So, <clears throat> yeah, no, it's worth checking out. Yeah, I guess I will. Is it is it a premium thing or is it just on Disney Plus? It's a premium it's access. A premium. Well, who knows when I'll check it out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I had a younger kid, Henry being thirteen, he's aged into a different tier of sure, movies right. so it's like those things like pixar things and things like that like that before i would have watched them for the show quite naturally be because henry would have watched them now i'm watching a lot of those things by myself because uh, right it's weird to age out of that you know for or to, <laughs> to to still be doing that and he's aged out of it i should say right um, but i'll say uh, compare it to the other sort i guess i would i keep thinking of it as like one of disney's live action remakes but it's much more like pirates in that it's it's yeah. an adaptation of a game i mean of a theme park ride oh. A theme park ride, yeah. 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 So compare it to other theme park ride movies. How many have there been? <laughs> there was Pirates and there's... They haven't done Small World yet. They haven't done the Teacup movie. Tower of well, Terror is coming well, soon with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Maybe. Uh, Haunted Mansion. Oh, right. Um, Years Haunted ago. Mansion. Right. The Eddie Murphy. There's a new Haunted Eddie Mansion Mar coming out. There is. Yeah. Is that... Guillermo del Toro. Someone, I think they're doing a Space Mountain movie too, right? Someone's attached to the Space thing. Mountain, really? I think they're they're trying to build like a like a park, uh, like you. 
<laughs> or whatever they want to call it, like the D- DPU Disney Park Universe. I like um, that. There's there's something I've read about that. Like they're they're trying to do something where these uh, there's like a collection of these movies that are based on the theme park rides. Yeah, for sure. Wow. But I don't know. Uh, what else? What else? What else? John, you saw some stuff. Talk talk a little bit about you saw two movies that are relatively new. Oh, I just I had to check to see who it's Katie Dippold that's attached to write the screenplay for um for Haunted Mansion. I knew it was somebody. Okay. She she wrote the 2016 Ghostbusters. So you can either take uh, that as a vote of confidence or not, depending on your your attitude towards that movie. But yeah, I went back to the theater uh, to see a couple movies that I wanted to see that I didn't think I'd get to see otherwise. And I chose yeah. screenings where I was one of a few people there. And I went to see one of them with my 13-year-old son that I just mentioned. Um, and there is jizz on screen during the film uh, <laughs> The Green Knight. And... Uh, I, we just didn't talk about that. I, I imagine a 13 and a half year old boy may have his own adventures with that. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in anyone's life. But um, it's not something a father has to really talk about, I don't think. Um, but no, you know, and I'd worried it was going to be like too mature or too slow moving or kind of too arty for him in a sense when I, you know, I knew that it could, the, the trailer for The Green Knight really does make it look like it could be not like an action epic, but it does look like it's full of this imagery and this stuff. And I was like, oh, is this movie going to be too much for him? But at the end of the movie, uh, Henry uh, said to me, like he leaned over and said, that was beautiful. I wouldn't have changed a single thing about it. And it's like, and I think he said it that way because so often we end up walking out of a movie going, you know, I I liked everything but that one guy or that one thing, or that's kind of the way you deconstruct it. But I really think he was kind of like doing that. Okay, I want to say something after this movie. But I mean, I don't know. I I, I guess I'm just saying that attests to the fact that though this is kind of a slow, kind of arty, spare movie, it is also... Uh, I mean, David Lowry, the director, has made some interesting movies before, but The Green Knight is is like it's a, you you could say it's like a fantasy epic, but it's also a very measured movie that doesn't. I don't know. It'll be very interesting to talk to you about it once you've seen it. But it's much more of a tale of like you know, it gets into this idea of courage and the idea of like why you would do something grand, why a knight needs to make their name by doing these big things, um, right. And it, you know, the the journey he goes on that uh, uh, I always thought I always pronounce it Gawain. In the movie, they say something like closer to Gerwin or Gawain, um, but uh, Sir Gerwin, Sir Gawain. Uh, but we'll just call him Dev Patel because that's the actor that plays him. But Dev Patel uh, is King Arthur's nephew who has this crazy challenge uh, that he has to face, and he know basically knows for a year that he's got this important duel coming up. And he knows kind of what's what's going to happen to him. The idea is he does, he's going to have returned to him whatever he does to this knight in this fight. And in this fight, you know, this is part of the legend. He, he cuts the knight's head off. And then the knight basically says, all right, see you in a year. And so now he's got to spend a year. And everyone in his life is like, yeah, you've got to go do this thing. You've got to go fight this guy. And according to the bargain you made, he's going to cut your head off because you cut his head off, you know. And you see, I don't know. Gawain, Gerwin, Gawain, Dev Patel, he, um, he, he doesn't seem to quite, I, at no point does the story slow down and let you know exactly what he thinks is happening or exactly like, is this kind of quest the way it should be? And there are hands behind this that set this story up. So there's a lot of layers to the story of why he's going on this quest and what he's meant to prove. But in his head, you, you, you don't sense that it really is real to him until he gets to the end of his journey and has to face the, the consequence for what he did. And, and what happens there is, 
it's one of those movies where, okay, it's moving kind of slow and it's episodic and it's got all these vignettes and it's really pretty and the music is amazing and the acting is pretty great and everything about it feels really well calibrated. But you're kind of going like, what is the story of this? And then in the last 15, 20 minutes, you go, oh, I totally see what they were leading us to, this idea of of just courage and 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 you know sticking to your word doing what you mm. said you'd do even if it means in this case maybe you're marching off to get your head cut off you know um but no i i kind of loved it but if if nothing else it stuck with me for days it really it really uh you know like i i just found myself thinking about it you know how that happens sometimes you you might not even yeah. have thought much yeah. about a movie as you walked out of it but the power of it kind of lingers this this really does have that. And it also, I think if you are a fan of Arthurian legend, this really captures what I call like the eeriness of the otherworldliness. These these legends were passed down. You know, so a lot of these stories date back to like a thousand years ago. People were living in hard times, harsh circumstances. Even their idea of heroism and pageantry was kind of dark and eerie and lonely. And the Arthurian legends have always had that element of like, even at best, you had a hard life. Even the king has yeah. a hard life. Even the, you know, the knights, they're, they're, they're in these gray castles and it's rainy and they're, they're riding across, you know, soggy fields. And it's just everything about it. It always has seemed like that would affect the kind of myths you would tell if that was the circumstance you're living in. And I think the best Arthurian adaptations, they, they don't turn it into this bright and shiny myth. They let it be this kind of eerie, otherworldly thing that is like, you know, a mixture of pagan and Christian in terms of what forces are at play behind the story. So, I mean, I, yeah, I can't wait to, for you guys to see it so we can, I can't wait we can talk about it. Movie. Um, and then, yeah, old, I don't know. I mean, where, I mean, I know we've, we've talked about M night Shyamalan a lot on the show, even earlier in this episode. And we've, we did an episode on him a while ago. And I think we kind of, we both, we, we, I think we both admire him and we admit there are times where his, <laughs> his, his taste has slipped, his, his, uh, his reach has exceeded his grasp, as they say. Um, where are you both with M. Night going into this movie? Because you may have both noticed, neither of you have seen it, but you may have noticed the reviews. It's got like a 50% on on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Not that that necessarily means anything, but that means that it, a lot of people are saying this is a pretty good movie, but a lot of people are saying this is a pretty bad movie. So in some ways, that's like classic M. Night Shyamalan. Like, what do you both think about him at this moment in time? Like, I know, Steve, earlier you said you intend to see it in, on the big screen, but, you yeah. know, like, what, what are your expectations from a movie like Old? Because having seen it, I can tell you that it's both what you would think it would be, and it's something different. I don't know. Like, how do you feel about M. Night these days, Ronald? <clears throat> I'm, I love him. Okay, <laughs> I think, good. I think that there's... <sighs> I think the problem with all this stuff is like there are beats to stories that people just expect. I mean, sometimes when I read those like Rotten Tomatoes reviews, they're kind of like, I didn't expect it to be like this. I want this. I expect this structure and it didn't have this thing. These things are supposed to happen and it didn't. I, I'm just not a big fan of that way of thinking about movies and some of the most special experiences I've had are kind of ones where the beats were a little different. Um, the choices were a little weird. Donnie Darko is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I know a lot of people that would probably walk out of that movie. Like it's a strange fucking movie with weird beats. It just, but it feels very unique and I love what it's saying. And he does that a lot. I, I like especially the kind of run of the smaller budget films. I mean, I didn't like the third movie in the, the unbreakable trilogy. Yeah. Glass. 
God, the, the choice to like, whatever they, you know, I'm not going to give it away. No, I honestly, I know some people that loved that one because of its audaciousness in some ways, but mm, yeah. it felt like a misfire to me. Like it felt yeah. like you could have been audacious and also satisfied the sort of hype you, you had generated about this yeah. movie being part of some kind of a saga. But I think mainly there's one particular character fate in that movie that I don't know that I'll ever f- let go. Yeah, yeah. You but know, I, I like drowning I like, in a puddle. I just don't think yeah. that should happen to, no. <laughs> to to a heroic character. No matter what kind of point you're trying to make about heroes, I think you can get yeah. a better end uh, yeah. than that. But no, I think it's interesting because. But we but we were fans of these kind of recent, the scrappier M Night, the 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 M Night that seems like he's delving into genre, right, Steve? I mean, yeah. we enjoyed Split. We enjoyed uh, what was uh, it's not the old the visit. The visit, yeah. I mean, so you know, as a horror fan, as a genre fan, I mean, don't, don't you kind of feel like Maybe M Knight's at his best when he, when he has something to prove, kind of, or, or I don't know, when it's personal for him and it's not, it's not like an exercise in greatness. It's just like a little genre experiment, almost. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I yeah, definitely. I think you're right. I mean, I'm a big fan of his. I, you know, definitely has some misses in his filmography, but I think in general, he is kind of like. Uh, like a rare type of filmmaker that's out there still making movies and in and around the studio system, um, you know, kind of went away for a bit, slowly worked his way back in. And, you know, now is, you know, kind of putting movies out, TV shows out, you know, every couple of years, which is great. I think it's good to have him creating. I, I do in some ways, like, I don't know, this is like a, this gets thrown around a lot, but I do think in some ways he is kind of a genius, you know, and in, in the ways he does play with genre, even though like, I feel like, his uh, screenplays or his scripts are not always the greatest and usually are the probably the weakest bits of the movies um, that end up being the ones that maybe fall in the middle or kind of get that half and half rating that you're talking about, like, or just straight up bad reviews. Um, you know, there, he does have some cringeworthy dialogue in some of his movies and I'm sure that's probably present from what I've read in this movie. But I, I do think, I, I just think he's like a voice I like to, I like to hear from. And I, I do in general love most of his movies. Um, because I do think he really has a passion, um, for story and for kind of playing with the genre a bit and, and, and kind of, you know, just mixing it up in ways. And I mean, I know he's kind of known for the twist and like, you know, what he does with his movies to kind of keep people guessing and, you know, try to shock you at the end of the movie in some way. But I mean, I can't lie. I'm a sucker for that. So, you know, if it works, what a payoff, you know, and more than not, like, I think it works for me. And he's definitely, like I said, at the top of the show, like he's one of the filmmakers out there where, you know, his name is on something I would immediately, I'm, I'm going to see that movie or I'm going to watch that television series, you know, like, it's just like, you know, even if he wasn't directing it, you know, like when devil, you know, that he, I think he was a producer on that or maybe part, part of the screenwriting team for that. You know, I thought that movie was interesting and I like that movie. And, you know, but that got me in the door because it his name being involved with it. So I'm a, I'm a mark for that, I think. But I think old looks really good. I mean, I think I, you know, I'm very curious to see how I feel about it once I, uh, I'm able to eventually see it. But I'm, I'm actively trying to see it um, <laughs> just under the right circumstances. Um, right. Uh, but, yeah, I love the cast. And, you know, I like the, the way it looks and I love the idea of and even the story, the short story it's based on is uh, really interesting. So I, I I just, yeah, I'm very anxious to see this and, and see where I fall on, uh, on the, on the M night scale. Well, I am, one. I'm definitely in the 
positive camp. You are okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think there are some there are some parts of this movie that are, and I will say I've been I've I saw it just yesterday, but like talk about a movie that lingers with you and you think about like aging. Yeah. It's going to happen to every one of us, you know, if yeah. we, if, uh, if we're lucky, know, if, if we live long enough to keep doing the <laughs> thing we're doing right now, which is yeah, sitting here yeah, aging, yeah. you know, yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. is relatable in that. And I think that we don't like to talk about it in this culture. Maybe lately we've become a bit death obsessed, but I, I feel like it's a relatively new thing for, for Americans to sort of be honest about their chances and about death and about, I think that like, <sighs> I think that it, it is the elephant in the room, you know? Yeah, and yeah, and absolutely. and I think that this movie, it puts like there's an old person, there's a young person, there's everybody in between, people with different things that are going to come to bear because of this. But they are in a place where basically their cells are growing faster, their cells are aging faster. So things things happen faster. You age faster, you heal faster. Everything's happening faster. And right. the way that he, I mean, maybe he, may, yeah, the corny script, whatever. I kind of feel like. At this point, you're going to see an M. Night movie. Right. It's going to have a corny script. And, and I think even we yeah, have talked about it in the past. I agree. But it's almost yeah. like, let's just for, let's just get... If you're going to see an M. Night movie and sit down, don't pretend that suddenly he's cracked the code and he's got like this snappy dialogue that just crackles on the page. It's going to be right. a little stilted. It's going to... But it's usually going to be somewhat important. And usually there are a few good laughs in there. If you kind of accept the sort of quirky, weird alien aesthetic that he has with the way he writes yeah. characters, I think that the way you write people says a lot about you. And I've noticed this with yeah. the prose I've tried to write. The strangest thing is to try to write like the normal day a character is having before shit goes wrong. Because that's when you reveal to the reader, to the audience, whatever, what you think a normal day is. And if you're letting right. if you're letting an audience into, this is just a family on a vacation, and you're trying to write a family on a vacation, you're revealing to us all what you think a normal family sounds like on vacation a vacation. Like, yeah, and right. so you're tipping people off. If you're kind of a weird guy, and I think M. Night is, and I say that with a lot of affection, because I think most of my favorite artists are weird guys, and most of my favorite people are. It's like Ronald and Steve here. Um, Steve, you're quietly weird. Ronald, you're a little bit more loudly weird, but you're both, you know, you both wear it well. But like, I just think that, again, I just kind of feel like, okay, I knew from the beginning this was going to have that kind of stiltedness to it. And I almost kind of enjoyed it, you know? And then I think another thing is the twist. And I think that to the detriment of some of his movies, if you feel like they're bending around a twist or they're structured around a twist, it is like, okay, I, I don't know if the twist is going to hold up to what the movie is building up. But if if someone is watching old and they're thinking like, boy, I can't wait to find out what's behind this. I can't wait to find out what the real story is. And they're not just glued to this idea of how these people are reacting to the situation that they're in. It doesn't right. matter if it's chipmunks in a robot suit at the end that's yeah. making them age faster on the beach. <laughs> it's the fact that people are aging faster on the beach that is the fucking movie. So the fact right. that this movie does have a twist that kind of adds a wrinkle, maybe the last 10, 15 minutes, it gets into something kind of different and interesting and actually kind of ornate and thought out. And like, I don't know, I think it is a little clumsy, but it's not like a dumb twist. It's more like there's a there's a rushed third act that goes to these crazy places that will remind you of other movies that have kind of pulled back the, you've been watching a story and then they pull back and you go, oh, there's yeah. a much bigger story here. Mm-hmm. Um, like Cabin, uh, Cabin in the Woods or something like that. I'm, it reminds me of that. Where right, it's like, right. There's a wrinkle, there's a side to this that you're, you're getting glimpses of. Well, I say all that just to say, this is a slasher film about age, 
being the killer because everybody on that beach just about has a different way of reacting to being conquered by in in, in a, some strange way this fact that they're aging quickly and it's really good suspense and horror stuff i mean i, I don't know I, it had me it was it's a slow burn but you know what's coming you know from the trailer oh the, they're about to discover oh someone's going to get pregnant and they're going to have to give birth within like an hour you know because wow. every 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 half well no it's every half hour is like a year so like they they find out this this girl is pregnant. This girl who was a kid the day before, who's pregnant, who's old enough to get pregnant now, and now she's having the baby in like a half hour. And in fact, it's mm. overdue now while we're standing here talking. You know? Wow. Um, I mean, it's crazy. And that's in the trailer. Yeah. That's the only reason I feel like I yeah. can reveal that. But every character has a scenario like that. It's some part of their story, something they bring to this island that that makes them have a different experience. There's a person with early onset dementia and we see that go crazy. There's just an old woman. So we see something happen to her. There's a dog. There's, it's like he really thought through all these kind of clever applications of when aging is the villain, what does that, what does that do? Um, I'll say one thing, someone's bones that break heal uh, instantly in the wrong position, you know, that kind of shit. Yes. Um, so I don't know. It's a horror movie. It's M Night doing like a horror movie that takes place in broad daylight on a beach with a great cast, and it's like a it's yeah. A twi- and this sounds um, this sounds perfect. It's like Twilight Zone meets me. Lost, and I feel like I'm <laughs> hyping it a little, yeah. but but I'm saying maybe my yeah, expectations are. were lowered a little bit because I'd seen some bad reviews. It's got all those clunky things that we that we can maybe say we expect yeah. from him. And the question is then: Well, is the camera work amazing? Is the visual storytelling amazing? Because that's what he does. And yes, it is. Yeah. And I think yeah. this aging thing, I mean, it's honestly got me a little spooked. Like, I'm just thinking about it. Like, I i just think that it's a thing that you think about all the time, and this movie makes you confront it in all its forms. You know, like what it would mean to yeah. be sick and die, what it would mean to uh, lose these years of your life because of something. All the characters who are like, there's one part where they want to send a character on a mission, and they're like... Uh, well, the question is not should we try it, but the question is who wants to lose twenty years of their life trying this, you know? And wow. you know that's that's heavy. Yeah. So I don't know. Even if that's if it's a little corny and whatever you can say about M Night, I think that this movie's got the juice. And uh, no, I I I I I'm trying my best not to like way overhype it, but I'm going into it with seeing that fifty percent going. Oh, I got to find out. Um, I'm just like, no, this is like this is like good Shyamalan, you know, like. Let's check it out, man. What you drop, Ronald? Yeah, what happened? I dropped my liquid death. Oh, my... oh your liquid death. Did, you, did it stay in the can? <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, so the, the mic fell down and hit the can, and then it kind nice. of... Nice, nice, yeah. yeah, I mean, John, everything you're saying is like, you know, the reviews that I've read from, from, from a lot of, like, critics that I follow that I feel like I'm kind of in line with. It's a lot of what you just said, so it's good to be reassured of that, so... Yeah, again, I can't wait to see that that one in theaters. Hopefully, I can track it down one night and next week, and maybe catch up next week on it. But oh, cool. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Did did any of you see F nine? No, I I tried to make time for it uh, uh, this evening, but I did not. I did not find the time. Did you see it, Steve? Yeah, I, think, I went to I the think press Steve talked about it a yeah, while ago. I mentioned it on the pod. It. But why don't yeah. you guys, yeah, if you want to compare notes on it, I, I haven't, I don't remember. I don't you, you, just, just, you can just speak about what you, what you thought, Ronald. Because <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love the Fast and the Furious series. You know, you and I love it. Yeah. I, I didn't think that one movie would make me lose faith in a yeah. whole franchise, and this did. It failed on all levels. It wasn't funny. The adventure was weird. 
the weird special effects with them. Like for everything that Vin Diesel couldn't do, they use this CGI sort of distanced person that could climb better that that could climb almost like a this like video game like person who has no their spine isn't quite working the way that it should it was it was probably one of the worst movies i've seen during the pandemic definitely one of the top three worst films i think i've ever seen in the past 10 years definitely the worst (laughs) that i've seen during a pandemic, it was as you're saying it, it goes beyond pandemic. Yeah, because I kept yeah, like, years. I was thinking wow, about that, like, that did get wow, just, Speaking of aging, you just really <laughs> bypassed 10 years. Well, what's, what's movie... missing, Ronald, as a fan of these movies? So, what was, what's missing? Because I don't think anybody was bowled over by Hobbs and Shaw either. I kind of right, feel like right. this, this series was cresting high. Everyone was talking about how it's the one. And then I feel like two underwhelming entries have come out, which I haven't seen. Sometimes it's like. Uh... I, I, I compare it a lot to like, um, like you may have a joke that may have some like sex elements in it, right? But you'll realize that sometimes when you tell a joke, that's all people know. That's all they hear in their head. And I feel like the people that were trying to put this together were like, as long as they're in a car, and they're breathing, this is still Fast and the Furious. It doesn't matter how it connects. It doesn't matter who's, you know, it just, they forgot at some point what made this movie special. Some of it was the chemistry between the characters, which they try to fake and try to put, like Ludacris and Tyrese are the the thing that they, they try to use to be the chemistry in this movie. All these weird jokes that they try to put in throughout the movie, which is like, so so it's like uh, a bad version of community where it kind of feels like, you know how I feel about a show that feels like it's eating itself alive. It becomes so self-aware mm-hmm. that the joke about it being self-aware is a joke within the joke. And Fast and the Furious is trying to do this in the, the least smart way ever. You know, they, Tyrese is just kind of like, I can't die. I keep trying to do these all these things because we see... Vin Diesel ride on the mountain and and somehow the car attaches itself to a hook that swings across to another mountain, but he doesn't think about it. I would feel better if he's just like, we could do this. Let me think about this. This this it's thoughtless bullshit that just is fucking hard to find. Follow. It's the Vin. It's the Vin Diesel show now. Yes, I think that, the, I think that's the problem. It's the Vin Diesel show. It's not about racing. So like. I would even like if there was one part where it was just like, there's a bomb across town. I need to get there in 20 minutes. It typically takes an hour. There's none of that. There's no racing. There's no nothing. There's just like these block destruction scenes every couple minutes. <clears throat> yeah. It was bad, man. And and I'm okay with some level of fucky, fuck, for, fuck shit. Like, they, <laughs> they went to... <laughs> They Did, you say, <laughs> Did you say you're, a, you're okay with some level of fucky, fuckful, fuck shit? Yeah. So. That, that, that's, a, that's a new one for the next decade of movie right there. Which is it's full of one. fucky, fuckful, fuck shit. Fuck. That should be a pull quote for the Steelbox release of F9. I was just... Are you ready? 
Yeah, for some fucky, 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 fuck, fuck, fuck shit. shit. Oh man, that's it, good. That's good. It was bad, man. It was <laughs> yeah, so I, I, bad. I feel like I feel like I probably didn't dislike it as much as you did, but uh, I, I did, you know, comment that like it definitely feels like it's it's suffering. Yeah, and it's I feel like something. I feel like you know, listening to you explain it, it kind of like reaffirms like my feeling was that like. You know, this is one of the first ones of the of the recent resurgence of the series mm. that either didn't have Paul Walker or The Rock in it. Yeah. And it's like you I feel like you feel that, you know, pretty heavily in this movie, especially like you said, the way they kind of break the characters off and they do their own little, you know, their own little missions here and there or whatever. But I mean, I feel like in general, the movie felt like one of the more hollow. Uh, and that's saying something of a franchise that's pretty hollow, yeah. even though it's all about the family. Um you know, I just think it it, 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 lo- it lacks, I think, something that those other characters, those other actors brought to the franchise. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious how they wrap this up with, you know, the, the last movie. Um, But I don't know. Yeah. I'm interested in finally. Yeah. Because that, that's one that, you know, it's finally coming out on VOD, right? That's yeah. how you, that's how it's yes, coming I'm out. So. That, that, that window. So $20. Uh, <laughs> right. Biggest waste of money. I mean, don't. Yeah. Wait until it appears on something else. Like, is it going to be on Paramount Plus? What is? What is it? That's Universal. So it's, uh, it's Universal. What's their pay window after VOD? Is it Netflix? I think is it's forty five and then Netflix. Oh, okay, it's forty five and then Netflix, right? I think. I, think I, I don't remember what their their window is after after the the PVOD stuff. <laughs> what what whatever you, it is whatever it is you're saying wait for yeah, that one wait wait for that what else uh, did you guys see? uh did either of you watch the woodstock 99 peace love and rage documentary? i did, oh, I did. What, why did you ask me that that's crazy that you specifically asked me about this documentary no i just feel like it was that's one that I, when i saw it a couple of weeks ago everybody was talking about it for a few I jumped days and, it. and then we kind of missed it last week and i i just i wondered if you guys had seen it because it definitely is you know makes an impression and you know again talk again as far as a movie with like leaving you with kind of talking points it definitely uh you know that depiction of like who that who that festival was catering to uh is is it really does i mean i think i was aware of it at the time but especially now looking back at it it seems like a really crazy uh toxic (laughs) environment and i mean i remember hearing about how poorly run it was and all those people rolling around in shit that they thought was mud and that kind of thing but um no, when you look out at the sea about- of people and you realize how much water costs and yeah. how crowded it is and how hot it is and how many drugs a lot of those people were on and yeah. and then some of the stuff that's being said from the stage. I don't know. It just was an interest. It just, I, you know, 21 years ago, every now and then something comes up that makes like the 90s seem like a really long time ago. And this documentary yeah. did that. It really made me think like, wow, this, just culture has changed a little bit. And, and yeah. some commentary about the original Woodstock, I think there's yeah. been some idealization about. Uh, absolutely. I've see, I've heard kind of, I've had like kind of run into people in passing that have kind of mentioned like, oh, no, I was like, it was the music, obviously incredible. Like, but the circumstances weren't great. It was no, like, it was, it was also like a disaster. Just like that. It was ways, a disaster. Yeah. People didn't get water. People got lost. People didn't find people for a while. But what makes... <laughs> The new one, especially special, was kind of this wraparound story that 
was it, it essentially revolves around a gentleman that journaled his his adventures there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give anything away about how everything goes, but yeah, the the wrapper of this story is really interesting because it's you know it's like all these perspectives, and then a guy that was kind of journaling as he traveled throughout Woodstock, and, and had a particular story about like. That really highlights too how long ago it was in the sense of people not having phones. And if you were at this thing yeah. and you kind of got separated from your friends, it was like, well, I'm, I'm going to start walking this direction and hope I catch up to them. You know, I mean, it's like, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like, I don't, I don't do great friend. with like crowd, super packed crowds. I don't like being in a crowd and looking out and seeing just people as far as the eye can go. You know, like, yeah. um, uh, I, you know, and I occasionally I'll be at a show and I'll get like a, back in the day I would be at a show and I would get that experience of like, Oh, it's cool to be part of a crowd and experience this moment, you know, kind of coming through the crowd. But so often you see that type of footage and you go, I wouldn't want to be in that crowd at all. I mean, it just does not look like a fun place to be. No. Um, especially when you pull out and you can just see how far and wide it is just people. Um, yeah. But I mean, then beyond that too, yeah, the cultural context is is kind of interesting, and I do think they they don't go in depth into what you're saying, Ronald. But it, I do think it, they do sh- they do touch on that idea of the original Woodstock is something that we've seen the we've seen the footage, we've seen the movie, so we yes, sort of romanticize yes. it, you know? Yeah, that, yeah, which is super interesting. I I thought it was really well done. H- I have to keep saying this, but HBO just does documentaries right. It's just. It's, mm-hmm. it's sure. I mean, some of them, it's very apparent that there's a there's a narrative that is following the footage. You know, it's 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 trying to enforce a you know, you know that it's trying to enforce this idea. But we all collectively saw that that Woodstock was a little more chaotic than mm-hmm. your average festival. I remember the footage on MTV and the fires and the people screaming and then. This was before, like, the there were as many places to talk about it, the assaults that were happening. Mm-hmm. I, they, were, they were very open about it just getting spiraling out of control and instances where dudes would just rip women's clothes off, like, gross shit. And yeah. Sewage all over the place. And it just, it's it's worth checking out. Like, if, if you, especially if you are kind of on the tail end of like, man, what happened to MTV culture and, you know. But also, if you kind of want to see that kind of white boy rage where it's like, what are you mad about? What are you so fucking mad yeah. about? You suburban what, moron, you know, yeah, you mundane person. On? But like, that to see that it was a lot, I mean, I remember it, but seeing this footage, it's like, oh yeah, that kind of rage, suburban white boy rage at nothing was alive and well and was like oh. really loud you know and again i think a lot of people have pumped their fist or to a song or another from that kind of genre of like on the radio turn it up kind of shit and it's like that's not even what it's about necessarily is like making fun of people who like a certain kind of angry music but when you pile all those acts onto the bill and you see how few women there were at the festival and you see the tone of the crowd and you know i don't know yeah it it definitely feels like a lot of the stuff that we talk about today with regards to like and i know that 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 old phrase toxic masculinity like Man, our culture has been like serving it up in a very, it, very man. potent way for a long time. Yeah, um, Fred Durst. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, Lee, man. But seeing him command the crowd, like, oh, it is amazing. crazy. It's like a an evangelist <laughs> yeah. or something like that. You know, like that was that's nuts. Yeah. 
Fred damn Durst. And they're right there with him. But I don't know that any one of them in the crowd could tell you what they're so angry about either. It's like my boss yeah. is mad because I was late. I, I don't know. Like, you know, I got bad grades. Like, my parents want me to mow the lawn. I don't know. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I, I want to check it out. Oh it's, man, it's, it's 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 the it's a it's like the first of a new series. Like, yeah, it's like a Bill Simmons produced from series Bill Simmons, on HBO. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Music Box series. Yeah, right. So I'm intrigued to see what the next what the next yeah. subject might be because this really did, like Ronald said, it goes so much deeper than you would think it would when you just think. I mean, honestly, I I turned it on saying to Nikki, "Oh, documentaries about disastrous." film uh, uh music festivals right, right are always good like i was thinking about those fire festival docs you know it's like they're always kind of good for a laugh for whatever reason but then this very quickly just like no no no, this is darker and it gets at something more troublesome than just the sort of yeah. like privilege gone right. wild or or whatever you might think that with the fire festival was kind of you know the villain of that <clears throat> that's yeah solid man it's a solid doc for sure i got Shout. nothing else Shout. A shout. Uh, what else? What else have we been watching? I, I got nothing. Hey, I, I just want to say I, I I'm looking at this interview with Bill Simmons. So uh, the other the other uh, the other five. Um, what are they? Uh, it's just different topics. Uh, Last more set. Robert Stigwood and Saturday Night Fever. DMX, Juice World, and Kenny G. Oh, interesting. These are the episodes. Uh. It seems to be uh, of those those six episodes, Recipe, the six recipe, episodes of this series. Recipes, Juice World, Recipes, DMX. I can't wait to see that. Kenny yeah, G. And it's Kenny G. Talking about how, yeah, what the variety and like what the process was of choosing. It's, it, there's an interview that they had with him up that I'm reading about on the HBO listing for this Music Box series. Are they coming out weekly? Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, and apparently. Like the the Kenny G one is the standout of the series. Really? Well, just in terms of like, I guess the interest or how kind of odd it is or whatever. Yeah, yeah. As a topic, I mean, but maybe we I don't know. We'll see. See I, if we can get those. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when when they plan on coming out. But I guess this is like him. You know, it seems like this is like an attempt to do kind of what he did with Thirty for Thirty. You know, right. and, and have um, have a series that covers all these different topics there. Bill Simmons so, um, is killing it, man. I was about to say, I tend to think of him as a really thoughtful guy who, like, oh. seems to know how to like get the right people on a project like this. Yeah. You know, like, wow. and, and step back, like, facilitate it and step back. So that's that's cool. I know, I know. When I saw his name on this series, it was one of the things that interested me. But I have to admit, someone said, "Oh my God, this thing is a shit show." But I saw that too. <laughs> that was what really drew me to it. Yeah, I just didn't know it was going to be a depressing shit show. You know, me I either. I I was <laughs> like, okay, this is going to be stuff burning. I'm like. Oh man, this is so much more. <laughs> I was saddened. Yeah, yeah I'm, I got, I got nothing else. I'm, I think I'm good. That's it All for right. me too. All right, all right. It's three oh nine in the books. Well, there it is. Um, Movieshmovie.com is the website. You can find all the po- uh, podcast episodes on that site. Listen to it right there if you want. If not, you can jump off of there and uh, you know link out to any of the podcast platforms that you could also subscribe to the podcast from and listen to on your phone, on your computer at work, wherever, wherever you like to listen to your podcast and however you like to listen to your podcast. Um, we have a series on YouTube called Marvel Schmarvel, which is like a YouTube exclusive. These episodes also stream there in that feed. So if you want to go check that out, we kind of do them as uh, the Marvel properties release new stuff through Disney plus or 
even Hulu we did. Um, and then, you know, obviously what, what the theatrical slash Disney plus series looks like for, I mean, the release schedule looks like for their, their movies. Um, but we'll, we'll be covering all that there. And that's again, only on YouTube. So you can subscribe and get notifications for those. Um, but you know, we always mention it, but if you do subscribe to the podcast, first off, thanks in general. Uh, but if you can leave a re- review or a rating, or if there's any kind of option to share out to a friend or someone you think may also enjoy movie schmovie, um, cause, uh, you know, we'd love to grow our listenership as much as possible. Um, because we are working on, um, you know, next week will be 310 episodes and, you know, Jeez. I don't know that we have 310 subscribers. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we have 310 weekly listeners? No, so from week Maybe. to week. We I don't do. know. I mean, every yeah, once in a while yeah. we'll have a good. Yeah. I don't know. I'm hoping, but maybe like, let's just try to make it even more than that. And just share, just tell somebody, just do one thing for us. Just tell somebody, you know, that, you know, this is a, this is a podcast you listen to and maybe you thought they might enjoy it as well. Yeah. Um, like pick, pick a favorite episode, like pick one of our kind of, uh, non-dated episode although i'm sure we sound dated if we listen to an episode from five or six <laughs> years ago but you know pick one of those franchise uh, <clears throat> overviews or one of those topic episodes from from back in the day that, that might or might somebody that doesn't know what sci-fi is maybe find the oblivion episode yeah, and yeah let them the understand its creation <laughs> along with ronald it's like you were there it's very recent uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh you know moviesmovie.com is just a great place to start regardless if you can find that that website it'll take you to everything that we have to offer and uh, all the socials and all that good stuff but um thank you for listening again and as always you've uh, made our day thanks bye